Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve podcast. Here's your host. Hey, it's GQ here. Thanks for joining us on the How We Solve podcast. Today, I have on the show Shauna Morin, the founder of Operate Remote, where she works with organizations to maximize opportunities and overcome their challenges with remote working. Welcome, Shauna. Really excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me, GQ. All right. And I I remember the first time that we got in touch with a thing through a piece of content on LinkedIn. I think there was like an event going on in Ireland at the time, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. So I'm the founder of Operate Remote, which is a consultancy and coaching business that's focused on empowering remote and hybrid teams to work more effectively and efficiently. And uh, as part of my giving back to the community, I'm part of a, a great community initiative in Ireland, which is called Grow Remote. And uh, that community is all about bringing remote jobs to rural parts of Ireland to build out those communities and and get the economy really going through remote work. So yeah, we do a lot of different events around the country, educating companies and individuals on the benefits of remote work and how to do it correctly. All right. So what made you, and maybe this is really good for listeners to find out as well, you know, what was, what was kind of like your background that led up to operate remote? Like how did you get here in your journey? Yeah, great question. So I started from leaving school, I I studied psychology and uh, was always really fascinated in human behavior, the ways that we think and mindset. And having studied psychology, I felt the next best step for me would be to get into the world of business and really understand these concepts in in the real working environment. So I worked in recruitment for a little while, a little bit in uh, business development in IT. And then I uh, stumbled my way into e-commerce, where I spent the majority of my career So I headed up channel partnerships for Shopify and EMEA. So looking after mostly agencies and tech partners um, across Europe, the Middle East and Africa. And I was essentially responsible for helping these businesses grow and scale their businesses through the Shopify ecosystem and platform. So it was an incredibly exciting job working alongside um, a, a fantastic team across international markets, learning more about different businesses, different agencies, helping them niche, helping them scale, scope projects, you name it. It was a really exciting time. And as as part of that, I was working remotely. So Shopify's head office is based in Canada. They have multiple offices now across the world. But I worked as part of a remote team. We were based across 10 different time zones, India, Mexico, New Zealand, Australia. I was in Ireland and then we also reported into the head office. And then I also managed relationships and partners across multiple different time zones. So <laughs> there was the opportunity for me to work 24-7 if, uh, if I let it be. And I loved remote working. You know, I, I, it really benefited me in so many ways. I live in the West of Ireland And it really opened up my career opportunities. I got to connect with all these amazing people from home, which was which was incredible. But having said that, it was challenging. So, you know, trying to establish 
culture in that environment, a company culture in that environment, trying to effectively manage communication and projects, trying to effectively manage teams and individuals and train people and onboard people in in those environments while working with an office was complex. And I had a lot of questions. I'm a very curious person and I had a lot of questions around what is it that makes remote teams essentially successful in what they do what is what is the formula behind that and that led me back to university again where I studied innovation management and based all of my research around remote teams so I looked at things like communication what does it take to be a great leader of a remote team you know how how do you effectively manage projects in that environment and it was incredibly insightful and from sharing that research and speaking to different companies i realized it wasn't just my team or that company that needed help it was there was also so so many other companies and that's how operate remote was created from Working with clients then for a while, I realized that it wasn't just the consultancy aspect of things that needed looking at. So it wasn't just the strategy. It wasn't just the process involved. There was also a lot to do with the mindset. So I was I was essentially led back to the path where I had began, which was psychology. And I qualified as an executive and business coach. So specializing in the emotional intelligence side of remote teams is so important. And I'll, I'll probably go into that a little bit more in depth later, but that's, that's essentially my journey. So I, I've, I've lived the real life experience. I know what it's like to have leadership that doesn't serve in a remote environment. I know what it's like to have those complexities, those challenges, to try and build those relationships and get stuff done in virtual environments and, and at scale as well. And then I also have the academic piece and, you know, the, the coaching aspect with neuroscience behind it. So it's a very holistic approach to what I do with my clients. That is super fantastic because, as you know, when we chatted about this uh, prior to this uh, episode, we, we're also doing it remote. Like our entire company is also remote as well. And I think there's just so many different kinds of new like, like you said, there's like so many different kinds of new challenges that companies may not necessarily be equipped to kind of tackle, especially when you're working remotely. So, you know, just like thinking about like what type of, and based on your, I mean, you work with a, a variety of clients, right? So what type of businesses do you think benefit really well from remote work? Mm-hmm. I work predominantly with tech companies. So SaaS agency, agencies and companies. And I think that those type of businesses really benefit from remote because of the access to talent reason you know that's it that's a huge issue is finding that talent not that remote is 100% going to solve that challenge but you get access to the global pool of talent I think the other thing is with these types of businesses you know we're working on an international global level so we're not just limited and working with clients based in you know the market that we're in we're serving clients all over the world which means we need access to different time zones in some cases we need you know access to different languages and cultures to serve those clients so it can be really beneficial in in, especially for those businesses who are scaling like that and, and scaling quite quickly Okay. Okay. Uh, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And what, what about, what do you think about productivity wise? Cause you know, some, there, there have been certain types of, let's just say technologies on the market where it's kind of like time tracking, kind of monitoring, uh, you know, let's just say uh, remote staff uh, productivity. 
So do you think that being remote will will sort of affect it? Do you see that, you know, remote work is actually, you know, kind of produces better productivity as a result? Yeah, I think a couple of different points on that. Um, A lot of the research points to the fact that remote workers are more productive than office counterpoints, you know, for a number of different reasons. They don't have the distractions, the added stress of maybe a commute. They have dedicated time for deep work. So all of the research points to that. I would say that it's not going to be like that for every company. So it's not just a case that you hire remote and your team are going to be more productive. You need to prepare and you need to hire the right people for remote and you need to be able to effectively manage performance in remote environments and measure that. So set yourself up for success in in that case. But also just on on the research, what's important to note with remote teams is that remote workers are more likely to burnout right uh you know Mm. working burnout which is a which is a kind of a a thing that you know maybe you've come across which is all over online but the thing is because they're more productive and potentially working across multiple different time zones and then they're also bought into the company culture so they love what they do they're happy working from home it can lead down that path of you know remote isolation a little bit of burnout become too productive and that's something that managers and leadership of remote companies need to look out for and need to upskill themselves on what are what are the things that i need to look out for here to make sure that my employees are well overall um, and that their well-being is is good so yeah i think it's it's not a case that it definitely is is or it definitely isn't set yourself up for success get the processes and performance management right and upskill your team to effectively manage that okay and so with with operate remote i mean you mentioned that there is quite a wide variety of obviously services that you provided you you know to help businesses kind of start adopting remote work or kind of improving what they're doing what's one of the main problems that you solve with operate remote yeah, I think one of the, there's there's loads of different challenges that I see, and you know there's no one size fits all for every company. So you know I work with companies that are starting out on their remote journey. So you know a lot of companies will have hybrid environments, so office plus a couple of remote workers. I work with companies that are you know have always been 100% remote and are looking to scale that, but need to improve you know the processes and the performance of the team. There's some inefficiencies there. So So things like, you know, challenges with communication, you know, getting across the right information to the right people as companies start to scale, looking at how they bridge that gap between office and remote teams. So sometimes they'll see challenges around, you know, employee engagement. A lot of what I come up against now is actually that isolation piece. So remote workers feeling a little bit lonely, you know, not being incredibly happy within their work because of that feeling excluded from the team maybe not feeling bought into the company culture and then sometimes I also see retention being an issue so if you don't hire for remote skills and emotionally intelligent you know uh, skills then you know you're you're less likely to succeed at remote working because you know when we work remotely we need a high degree of emotional intelligence we need to be looking at things like okay are we self-aware how self-aware are we are we able to have that awareness when we're working from home on our own that we say okay I've worked, you know, too long this morning. I need to take a break or I need to go out and meet some friends or I need to go to the gym or go for a walk. You need to empower your people to make those decisions for themselves. So they are, they are some of, of the challenges that I see that, that, that come up. 
And let's let's go back to that part where you talk about the isolation piece. I, I'm I'm completely on board with you with, uh, in that aspect. In fact, because we notice that when we hire people who start working remote, you know, start going remote for the first time, versus those people who have actually done it before, there is a very big difference. Simply because, like, for those that are just starting out, they don't really. Um, it can get a little bit overwhelming for them to kind of get used to, like you said, the whole not, not necessarily 24-7 work, but it's just like in a multiple time zones. Mm-hmm. There's so many different tasks that have to be self-driven, you know, to just kind of get done because there's no one's like, you know, I'm not going to be looking over your shoulder and like, you know, get, getting you to do something. And there's, there's no, I guess to a degree, there's no sense of micromanagement as well. So what are maybe like, if there's like one tip that you can offer to, to our listeners, uh, let's say they may be having, you know, staff that might be facing these problems, what do you think would be the one thing that they could act on today, you know, to, to kind of improve their situation? Yeah, I think two things. One thing is expectations. And the second thing is boundaries. And really, as a leadership team, really looking at what are your expectations from your remote workers and really defining that. Do you expect them to check in on a daily basis, you know, in a Slack channel? Do you expect them to post an update, you know, every week on, on the projects that they've or the tasks that they've completed? Do you expect them to turn their video cameras on so they can engage with the team in meetings? You know, go back to basics and really define what your expectations are from your remote team and remote employees. And then boundaries is the other thing that's really important. So as you said, GQ, when we work across so many different time zones, we're so connected all of the time. We have Slack, there's loads of messages, we have emails coming in, right? Then there's LinkedIn, Twitter, there's, you know, all of these other tools that we're using and it's so many different technology and so many different tools and we're always switched on. So we're connected electronically and we're not connected interpersonally. So what we need to do is take a step back from that and really define what the boundaries are. So I often see with remote teams that because of that reason, they don't often get what I call deep work, Mm -hmm. which is actually that creative strategic thinking that sometimes they need. So putting boundaries in place for that, I think as an individual setting the boundaries to say, you know, I'm working across so many different time zones. What are the boundaries I'm setting for myself today? You know, I'm going to start at 9am my time. Okay. I have to be online later on, you know, at 9pm for a meeting, I'm going to take, you know, lunchtime, a couple of, of, of hours off during the day. And I'm going to do the things outside of work that I need to do to make myself, you know, as productive and well as possible. So it's, it's that mutual responsibility is so important that yes, you know, as a leader, you are there to support your people, but they also need to take that mutual responsibility for themselves and their work. And, you know, that transcends into, you know, as you said, with new staff starting out remotely, you know, I will have a one-to-one with you every week and I will ask you questions and we can talk about whatever, but take responsibility that if something comes up in between or you have a question or you're unsure or you're not feeling well, then you you come to me. Proactive communication and transparency need to be, you know, the the lifeline. It is the lifeline to, to remote teams and, and making it a success. And, you know, on the other end of that, I've worked in and I've worked with teams that have had such fantastic culture and such amazing relationships with each other. I myself have had some of the best teams ever on remote and felt 
extremely connected with them, even though they were on completely the other side of the world. And, you know, a lot of a lot of that has to do with having having that that culture defined and those rules of engagement, expectations, boundaries, and also not to forget the importance of in-person meetings regularly as well you know just because you're remote doesn't mean that you never have to see somebody you know you should really invest in your remote team by looking at you know wellness programs you know giving them certain benefits around working from home whether that's you know exercise or the gym or office furniture but also bringing your team together on a regular basis is so important that human connection can never be overlooked and so I think it's really important to, to mention that. I completely agree on the human touch of it because when we when we started LTV Plus like two or three years ago, most of it was just remote. We never really conducted a team bonding, if you will, like like a retreat. But we've only started we started running it this year, and uh, we saw like an immediate switch in everyone. It was like you know we didn't bring everyone together like into one place because you know everyone's kind of scattered across. But we did do a team retreat for people in different let's say different regions where they're based, and when they got together, it just like the next day that te- I completely agree with you, and that the next day there is that bond that is built that you cannot really get out of not seeing that person you know face to face, and I think that is so important. And in fact, I was at the Running Remote uh, 2019 conference this year. One of the big, big I can't remember, gosh. Um, so someone from Hotjar and uh, I think Dribble, they, and, and then the founder of Dribble as well, was uh, they were there and they shared. Um, one of the methods that I really liked was the first one that is you block out the days, like kind of like what day is to do what. I, I guess it's going to obviously apply to, to, to physical, I mean, like to people who are working in the office as well. But just having a side, like for example, the uh, day like Monday is like your planning day and you have all your calls and so on and so forth. And then number uh, second day, like, Tuesday, it's going to be like maybe your focus day. So, you know, you don't really take calls and so on and so forth. I think that that's a really, really cool thing to do. And, uh, and we've adopted that practice now at LTV Plus and Task Drive, which is which, which is working well. And also the other one that we got a big takeaway and, and which you've said, and I really agree with that, and that is time blocking. Right. You know, like like you said, if you have a, if you start work at nine, you want to start at nine, but then you have a meeting at 9 p.m., then perhaps you block out like two or three hours just to do something else in the middle of the day, taking care of family, you know, and yeah, I, I think those, those are really, really effective, uh, you know, strategies that you can adopt in the company. For sure. And, you know, it's really, it comes down to being able to effectively manage your time and, you know, and communicating that to, to employees and new employees that they have this autonomy to do this time blocking and, you know, for leaders to lead by example, I think is really important. I often see, you know, companies saying that to say, yeah, block your time out. Don't be working 12 hours a day. But when they see their you know, their lead or, you know, the CEO is online 12 hours a day. I mean, that's not really leading by example. So it's about adopting it for everybody in the company and holding each other accountable to other things outside of work, you know, I think is is really important. Now I feel guilty, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You said like, that was like, oh, really? Oh no, That, that, that sounds too familiar. (laughs) <laughs> but you're, you're, you're actually right. Leading by example. Yeah. I do tell that to my guys a lot. I tell them like, Hey, you know, it's a weekend, take time off or whatever. But then I'm <laughs> just are you being online. It just really changes everything. Oh gosh. Yeah. I will, I'll remember that. I'll definitely remember that. <laughs> but Hey, you know what you're, you, you have so much experience in the e-commerce. Now let's say if I'm a, like someone's, you know, intending to maybe start their own, you know, e-com brand. Do you think like starting it remotely, is a good way to kind of get started. Like, do you think that there are a lot of benefits to, you know, just kind of adopting the remote practice from the beginning 
Yeah, I think naturally a lot of the e-commerce merchants or brands that I speak to do that anyway. You know, they Mm -hmm. usually start off with working with freelancers or, you know, contractors in some way, using things like Upwork, you know, that sort of marketplace when they're kind of starting out. So naturally, you know, they remote becomes an option. I would say, you know, at the same time, you need to just be cautious and really look at who you're hiring, especially for that first hire. Like that first hire in any business is always so important because there's a lot on the line. You know, it can it can really accelerate what you're doing and your strategy, but it can also really negatively impact it if it's not done right. So, you know, looking at, I think, emotional intelligence, previous experience at remote working is really important for that first hire and making sure that you're hiring for remote and that you have remote first processes. I think with any business, whether you're looking at going remote for you know the, the 50th employee or the second employee, or you have a hybrid environment and you're thinking about remote, you, know, you need to have remote first processes you need to look at knowledge management, make sure that everything is documented and that you have that there to support anything, any any new remote employees that, that come on board. Even when you look at things like meetings, you know, have remote first processes where meetings are held on Zoom, online, you know, they're recorded for different time zones. You know, there's there's written documentation to correspond with, with, that, uh, with that meeting so people can easily search for information that they need. You know, looking at those processes is, is is really important. Okay, that that brings up one really interesting point. So when so I, I used to run a, a an IT outsourcing company and and we I mean we did have well we wanted to build it in kind of like the idea was to set up like different teams in different places. So there would still be kind of like a physical structure to it, so you can kind of ensure that the security uh, there is a security of intellectual property, right? So let's say if there's, if there's a startup founder that wants to send stuff over to an outsourcing company to build that, typically that's not too hard to control. But let's say if you, you know, if today I, I'm a founder, I want to start a new, I want to create a new piece of software, then I, you know, perhaps the, C, the first CTO that I find or the, the first developer that I, that I speak to to get this done, have you seen like, like, or do you know if there's a way to kind of ensure that that security does exist for that IP? Because I mean, obviously people can just duplicate software, but like, you know, like what, what would be a good way to make sure that, you know, founders can, you know, kind of like have a bit of a peace of mind knowing that, you know, whoever they're working with in the beginning can, I guess, like maintain that integrity or ensure that they, they have the total ownership over their product. Yeah, totally. I think it's a, it's a really interesting question. I think it's really important. And a lot of that boils down to trust. And a question that I always get asked is, how can I trust you know, remote employees. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's such a, a frequent, frequently asked question that I get. And, you know, I always kind of put it back on, on the person who's asked it. You know, what difference does it mean to your trust if somebody's physically in person with you working every day than working with you online? Like, what are the things that are important for you in order to build trust? And in remote teams, we need to fast track trust. If we want to succeed, we need to fast track it. So how do we fast track it? It's about looking at the hiring process, making sure that you have clearly defined what are the elements of trust that are important to measure in the hiring process. And I always say to to clients I work with, if you think of it like the battery on, on your phone, so... 
when you hire somebody, that battery should be at least 50% full. So you have, you have filled that battery up through the hiring process. So you've, you've asked the right questions. You've looked at the experience, you know, you, you've, you've asked open-ended questions and you've done the assessments. You've looked at the emotional intelligence, whatever it may be, but it's 50% full. And then when you bring on that employee onto your team or into your company, it's about looking at how do they fill up to that extra 50%. So how do we get that to 100 These are the things that they need to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis or the things that I need to do to fill up that battery to 100%. And Mm. communicating that to employees is so important. So the trust is a big thing. And I think a lot of that has to do with the mindset. And, you know, I work with my clients in two ways. Yes, I look at the strategy, the processes, but I also look at the mindset shift that needs to happen in remote working. And a lot of leaders have that blind spot within them about, you know, how do I trust these people when I don't see them every day? And it's not to say you're a micromanager or anything like that, but it's really looking at, you know, what's the blocker there? What's preventing you from moving forward and trusting these people? Yes, the processes are important, but also a lot of it has to do with the mindset that you have. And remote working is, it's a new concept. Like it's a new way of working that, you know, a lot of people don't have figured out and we're, we're still learning about it all the time through research. So it's about being able to have an adaptive mindset where you're able to adapt and change these new environments and having a growth mindset. So looking at, you know, the, the fundamentals that are important to get done and then being able to, to learn from that and change. And if you empower yourself and your leadership team to be able to do that and see challenges in a new way, that's very powerful. Because what I find is, you know, the companies I work with do an incredible job of hiring fantastic people. They've test for IQ, ability to do the job. But really, it's they've come to the table with old habits, beliefs, behaviors and bias that no longer serve them in remote environments because they've worked in an office environment for the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. So it's about changing that to make sure that they're served and set up for success in, in, in this way of working. Okay. Okay. And, and what type of maybe um, personal books or resources that you're working with, but what, what type of, you know, maybe resources, books tool, or tools that you can recommend our listeners to, to kind of check out when it comes to remote work? Yeah, I think, I think on the, from the mindset side of things, um, Carol Dweck has a great book called, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you've read it. Great yeah, mind. I read it. Yeah. I think honestly, that is one of my, my favorite favorite books ever. I recommend that to entrepreneurs, to founders, to leaders. And it's nothing, I I don't even think she mentions remote work in, in there at all, but she does mention teams and, you know, building companies and the mindset that you need to have in order to be able to adapt and to change and to learn and to grow. And, you know, the fixed mindset where we're focused on results and we're focused on this is the way that we've always done it. So this is the way we'll always continue to do it. Doesn't serve us in, in, in this new way of working. So that book is a great book. And then Erin Mayer has a, the culture map. Have you read that book as well? Oh, no, not yet. I have to check that one. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, I thought you were nodding. Um, that's a great uh, book looking at culture and um, diversity in culture and bringing company culture together. So, you know, I think the, the thing about remote working is I know a lot of great companies 
you know, document and share their journey and share their learnings. And while I think that's really important for businesses to be aware of, they'll pick up new ideas. You have to create an authentic experience to your business. And as I said before, there's no one size fits all. And if you try to replicate what another company has done, it's not going to work. So you need to, to, to really build it up from your culture, from your team and to create something that's truly authentic because that's what will work. All right. I completely, completely agree with authenticity. In fact, one of the, just kind of died, like jump back a little bit to what you just said before, I think transparency, that's such a, that's, that's such an important thing in remote working. And um, we have that actually as a core value in our company because uh, we, we've added that this year because uh, we, we feel that that is so important. Not, not because, you know, like, hey, I want to know what you're doing every day, but it's more like just that trust and being able to build that two-way communication channels. Because one thing that we've seen as well is that depending on where you're from, so, like, and like you said, having that old bias or that kind of culture, cultural habit, or maybe just habits from where they used to work in an office space, some remote staff will be like, oh, um, they don't feel as comfortable speaking with their managers or their teammates because they assume that people think that they should already know, to know how to do it. And so by asking, it makes them look stupid. But it's Back in remote work, I think uh, I always like to say over-communicating is better than under-communicating in this case. Yeah, absolutely. Transparency and proactive communication. And, you know, creating a culture where everybody asks questions. You know, even the leadership team ask questions and ask questions back to one another all of the time because that's how we grow. That's how we learn. And even something around, you know, the next town hall or company meeting, doing Mm -hmm. it around the growth mindset, because that's what it's all about. It's all about, you know, embracing learning, asking questions and learning from one another. Together, we're stronger and we learn more from from each other than by doing and, and, you know, um, not doing as well as we, as we wanted to and embracing failure. And I think, you know, a lot of what I do with companies is looking at that culture and then adapting that to remote environments. So transparency is really important in your company. You know, what, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis within the team? How do you as a co-founder implement that? How does your leadership team implement that? How does the rest of your workforce implement transparency? Do they understand the meaning behind it and how it transcends into a remote environment? And something as simple as, you know, I'm doing a strategic work right now and I'm updating my Slack handle. You know, that's a transparency. Mm. I'm still here, but if I don't message you back in 20 minutes, you know, you know, I'm doing this. That's that's real life transparency, right? That's day to day. Yeah, uh, you know, living your values and living your culture, and it's. I think it's looking at, looking at those values and turning them into behaviors. That's that's specific to remote is is really important. And and on the topic of core values and you know mission statements and vision statements or whichever, is there a personal mission statement that you live by? Yeah, for sure. Um, so mine is to empower and to transform distributed companies by supporting founders, management teams, in helping them to build emotionally healthy and high growth teams in remote environments. All right. That was very, very concise and very nice. <laughs> I really like that. No, that, that, that's, so, that's super cool. Yeah. Now, if someone wants to connect with you, maybe they want to have a chat about, you know, finding more or finding out more about Arbor Remote, maybe get picking your brains on certain topics of remote work, you know, what's a good way to get in touch with you? Yeah, so my email is info at operateremote.com. My website, www.operateremote.com. And you can always add me on LinkedIn uh, under Shauna Moore. 
and I'm happy to, to connect with anyone there as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Shauna. I think that about wraps it up for our episode. I think whatever that we discussed today, I think there's so much insights for anyone looking to, you know, either start their own remote team from scratch or they're looking to manage it. I think there's just really quite a good, uh, you know, quite a good key takeaway. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. All right. So thank you for tuning in and subscribing to the How We Solve podcast. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.